Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my bro. Wesley, hi. And we are here to discuss... Jojo Rabbit. So Jojo Rabbit is a story about a boy in uh, World War II era Germany. He's a member of the Hitler Youth and he has idealistic ideals about what the Nazi Party and the Hitler Youth uh, expect of him and what they represent and he has to find his way in the real world when those ideals face off against real world situations. So with this movie rounding out Taika Waititi's canon, I mean, what's your overall opinion? As it relates to his other movies, I've seen Thor, which was a big hit and which I liked, but only because it was a vast improvement over the other Thor movies, which were easily the weakest part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I refuse to watch any movie called Ragnarok. Ragnarok, and it was Taika Waititi, and it was a much better Thor. The first Thor that I actually uh, enjoyed. Brian was absolutely in love with Hunt for the Wilder People. You didn't see that one? Nope. What about, um... Nope. Really? Wait, what's the other one? This is going to be a rough day because... Oh, We Live in Shadows. Uh, That's a yeah. good one. Is that, that's not the one with uh, Tilda Swinton? She's kind of vampirish, but no. Okay, is that good? She's, there's another vampire movie with her in it that I want to see, but that I've been avoiding, and I keep associating what we do in the shadows with her. Oh. No, I don't think so. So he, I mean, he's got a track record of really kind of unique, unexpectedly charming films, and I don't think this is an exception. But you know, my big deal, my big thing is consist is like consistent tone, and this completely defies that rule. Like tonally, it's all over the place, and somehow, you know, I don't know, it it might kind of work. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's cute endearing moments, and then there's suddenly like real stakes in your face. Yeah, it gotta be, tonally, it has to be that way, right? In order to, in order to sell it, you have to put people at ease coming into the movie, because it's a tough sell, I'm sure. Getting the movie financed, getting the movie made, what's the pitch for this movie? So, I think setting the tone of irreverence early on would be the only way to go about putting people at ease, and then you can wallop them with the heavier stuff later, but is that a good idea? to compromise the tonality of your movie uh, after establishing it in order to hit the broader themes that you might not ordinarily have been able to hit without the lighter, hearted, irreverent elements. So the tonal inconsistencies are worth it because of the different story elements and things he's able to introduce? I think it's the only way to do it. Is it worth it? Does it work? Sure. But I don't know that there was a way around it because if this were straight across the board comedy, it wouldn't have been effective, as effective, and if it had been a, a total straightforward drama, it never would have been made. Yeah, no, this definitely wouldn't have been made as a drama. I mean, 
I think this movie can't avoid being um, compared to Inglorious Bastards in its revisionist history bent, but do you feel like Inglorious was a comedy? Uh, yeah, it was intended to be, and actually I made, not Inglorious in particular, but Quentin Tarantino, and specifically Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for a comparison, where I found that to be charming, not all the way through, but it gave me a warm and fuzzy feeling that Jojo Rabbit didn't, because Tarantino treats his all his movies very seriously, even when they're funny, and I think that Taika Waititi in particular, his portrayal of Hitler was pretty... It was meant to be jokey and funny and cartoonish, maybe as necessary for that character, but there are other sort of slapsticky elements that took me out a little bit. The hand grenade scene and certain... Which was kind of unnecessary. Yeah. Like, why was it necessary for he, him to be disfigured? Um, I think it was the labeling of him as an outcast, where he, whether or not he was ever going to fit in, um, they demonstrate that he wasn't going to fit in with the people that he so wanted to be affiliated with because of some perceived flaw. And I guess when the Nazis see a flaw or a character defect or any kind of defect, that person is deemed inferior. And so he wanted to be part of an idealistic, beautiful master race or whatever and wasn't that same beautiful person and maybe never fit in to begin with and that kind of clinched it. Okay. It kind of lets him go into his own world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. So like the physical dis deformity or disfiguration was symbolic of his being a, a kind of a subpar outcast Nazi. Yes, but getting away from the point, the way it was handled in some parts of the movie with Hitler skipping around and stuff was meant to be silly and funny. So when the emotional heft comes, it punches you in the gut in a way that's not entirely pleasant because you weren't bracing for it. Hmm. You know what I mean? It was all of a sudden, there's dead people and that's bad. And it, it kind of is a buzzkill. And I'm not sure if that's the way the movie needed to be set up in order for, for it to be effective. I think you're alluding to what I was referring to earlier, which is they're like, he's like skipping around and joking and arguing with Hitler, and then he comes upon his dead mom hanging in a square. Yep. Like, that's kind of a, I mean, it, it was like immediate stakes, it was kind of a punch in the gut, and totally it felt inconsistent, but also kind of necessary. Maybe necessary, which is this weird world, this gray space that this uh, movie lives in, because we don't, I don't know that I was expecting that. I thought that they were going to shy away from the seriousness as much as possible to keep the fact that Hitler starring in this movie is not a bad thing. Um, so I'm not sure if the dramatic, if the super dramatic elements were necessary. Uh, in a movie like Schindler's List, it needed to be, but they could have stayed in a lighter Wes Anderson kind of space where the outside world doesn't really exist in the same way that the war, the larger war didn't exist in Inglorious Bastards. Mm -hmm. There were no major battle scenes. It was just one troop off doing their own thing uh, with their own moralities uh, and all this stuff. And, and so Jojo Rabbit kind of could have been that same movie, a Moonlight Kingdom, a uh, couple people wandering around in their own little world, the backdrop being World War II. But no, they went for much heavier elements. And I don't know that they worked or that they worked to the movie's benefit. I don't know, I kind of felt like it needed that grounding because it was so kind of flighty and up in the air that that suddenly the movie had stakes, suddenly the movie had teeth, whereas before it could have been just kind of forgettable. Do you know who plays Hitler? Yeah, Taika Waititi himself, the same who played Korg in Thor Ragnarok. 
didn't that color your impression of his performance? I knew that he was, he's known as this irreverent, kind of funny, aloof kind of guy. And my understanding was his pitch, they were interested. Fox Searchlight said, you know, we really like this movie. Maybe not best place in time at the time that it was written, which was about 2012. He made a few other movies since then and came back and Fox Searchlight renewed their interest and said, we do want to make this movie on the condition that you play Hitler. Oh. And I think a major star playing Hitler might have been taken too seriously or might have been a distraction. And he, uh, Taika Waititi is an actor, but not a recognizable uh, or seriously regarded one enough so that he couldn't play this kind of role. Yeah. I think that him wearing his uh, his everything on his sleeve and showing that he's responsible for this movie and, and knows exactly how tonally he wants to play Hitler was important and maybe, you know, effective. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I found out, which was pretty late into the viewing experience, it immediately changed the way I felt about it. And it kind of put me at ease because I, I imagine that there's always some tension with anyone like portraying Hitler and he didn't have to, um, because he was creatively kind of in charge, he didn't have to de wrestle with that tension, he, he kind of commanded himself, if you know what I'm saying. Yes, and that's why I was at ease going in. Uh, I actually watched this with Kelly and her mom and I had to pitch it to them beforehand because I said, we're ready to watch a movie? And they said, what movie? And I had to sell it to them and said, trust me, trust me, trust me. And also, I have to watch it. Uh, and uh, they, they were really receptive to it. Kelly was hesitant at first, but I think the harder sell that I was more worried about was her mom, and her mom definitely enjoyed it. She did? Yeah. And, and even when I, uh, I aired some grievances or whatever, after the fact, she uh, defended it. Really? Yeah. What did she say? I, I think I, she she just defended the tone thing. I was talking about how I struggled with the tone shift, and she said, "Well, but you know, she just I'm not exactly I don't want to misquote her, but uh, no, she defended it. She said it had to be this kind of movie, et cetera, for it to be work for it to work, and she really liked it. She defended uh, the movie against you. Uh, yeah, to an extent, and it's going to be funny when she says, "I saw that movie and it was great," and she recommends it to her friends, who she will also have to sell it to. Is going to be fun. <laughs> That's so, I don't know that this is a movie I would choose to watch with my in-laws. Well, I knew that I had to watch this movie in a time frame because someone is super demanding and I had to make it work and that was the only opportunity to make it work. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put it on, on them. All right, well, we have a production schedule now, so we don't have to be, there's no question about what we need to watch or do things. The fans demanded it. <laughs> so... Why is it so satisfying? Why is Hitler our favorite character to see um, karate kicked out a window or barbecued in a theater? Because Hitler was tonally the most consistent character, maybe. He, well, obviously he's a bad guy, and uh, Tarantino felt the same way, where the guy was such a cartoon of meanness, you couldn't even relate to his level of ferocity. Maybe that was just his uh, oration skills. But he seems like a cartoon character of just rah, 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 just hate, you know? And uh, so to see him played in a funny light is kind of, is, uh, is just a natural. It's like political satire in the cartoons from all the time. Right. It's kind of how we perceive him uh, to distract ourselves from the horrible stuff that he does behind the scenes. I remember a long time ago, and I don't remember what the context was, but you asked me, you were trying to make a point about how there's nothing that's not that's um, free from making fun of, or there's nothing that's not funny in the world. 
should be. That's the comedian's uh, motto, right? And you were like trying to prove a point, and you were like, so, well, you named something that's not funny. And I was like, the Holocaust. And then you like made a Holocaust joke? I didn't make a Holocaust joke. Okay, well, maybe that was my revisionist history. But you basically said there's got to be something funny about the Holocaust. And though this doesn't talk about the Holocaust, it certainly makes light of Hitler and his regime. I think in that way the movie was really effective uh, to make characters that you automatically hate uh, enjoyable. Sam Rockwell is a good example. Uh, totally bad dude. And maybe the Ray finds of this movie, the Schindler's List uh, Nazi commander or captain, who automatically you're supposed to hate, but he comes in with a smile and, and he's Sam Rockwell and, and you really like him by the end, but you're also not sad to see how, he, how his character ends up. Yeah, he gets his comeuppance. He was, um, he, his accent was awesome. I can't really tell. It was Sam Rockwell and I don't know how accurately you can pinpoint a German accent in a movie in Nazi Germany where everyone speaks English but I had fun. And the kids spoke British English, right? I don't know. I'm not strong enough in that sense to suggest that I could point out the inaccuracies. I just, yeah, it, it is weird to see them all speak English, but. I think because they were also kind of funny accents anyway. Yeah. Um, Scarlett Johansson, hot or not? Of course. She's hot in this movie in particular. Yeah. I think she had a terrible hairstyle. Well, it was little, period. A little excessive on the makeup still. That's no excuse. And she's a good actress and a major star and risking something, maybe, to be in this movie. Easily the star who could have been the most compromised if this movie had gone south. Were Alfie Allen and uh, Sam Rockwell lovers? That seems to be the case. Sure. Well, I th weren't they kind of trying to make the point? Yeah, but they were making it subtly, which is exactly the point, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that they were making the point that at that time and in Hitler's kind of morality, his morality, the Aryan superiority morality or whatever, that any that they would be considered like outcasts or freaks because of their homosexuality. You can't, uh, for the Aryans, you can't date outside your race, right? Mm -hmm. So you're limited to what's available. Mm, let's talk about the love story. Not a lot of high-ranking uh, lady Nazi officials, I don't think. Rebel Wilson, I think, might have been the highest one. All right, and she gets blown up. So, um, what are we talking about? Love story. What's the love story? Jojo and his Jewish girlfriend, um, Inga. Elsa. <laughs> so, Elsa, played by uh, Thomasin McKenzie, I think was maybe the most effective character in the movie. She was the one who turned Jojo's head, literally and figuratively, uh, to sympathize with who she was, who was a Jew hiding in the walls. And a, uh, she was sweet and endearing uh, when it was necessary to draw sympathy and tough and merciless when uh, it, she came to, uh, when she could flex her power a little bit and assert her dominance over a little kid who had power over her in a different kind of way. So I think her character was super effective. Uh, her representation of the Jews helped him to kind of understand how his thinking might be flawed despite the fact that that's the only thinking he ever knew. So she cowered and hid in the cupboard when she knew that the power was too great but she could stand being stabbed in the arm yes. or slap him in the face yes but i don't think that was acting i think well of course i don't think her character was acting scared and cowering i think she was genuinely afraid but when her back is against the wall uh, figuratively speaking she could definitely assert her dominance and wasn't the meek little victim uh that 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess the Nazis assumed most of the Jews were. I think that's pretty interesting because Scarlett Johansson's character in her own way was also very strong, sweet, and accepting of her son, although they had these wildly different philosophies, yeah. and yet harboring this you know, enemy of the state and, and doing it because of her, her she, was str- she had strength in her compassion. Yeah, I think she was just waiting for the war to end. I think she was worried about her son and figured that he would, in, in those circumstances and times, be safe where he was. Um, and she would work out all of that after the war uh, whenever it came to an end. But I understand what was happening with Scarlett Johansson's character, or at least I think I do. And the fact that it wasn't explicitly stated, I think that part, that failing to explicitly state what her crimes were, was sort of a detriment to the film. Because I think there may be some confusion, and maybe it was because we were trying to see her, mo- the mother from JoJo's point of view, which is basically every time, I don't think she had a solo scene right. or a scene where he wasn't there. Maybe he didn't understand what was happening with his mom or why what happened to her happened to her. Um, but we understand there's dramatic irony in there. Sam Rockwell foreshadowed it when he said, take care of your family. He knew that Inga was lying. He knew who Inga was, and or Elsa, rather. And he knew that, that they were going to take down his mom, and he said, take care of your family. Which he did also, after the fact. Good character. All right, yeah. There was definitely a lot of complexity in the characters. Like the mother-son relationship was just deliciously complex, like being so polar opposites philosophically and yet she, you know, loved him like a mother does or would. Yeah, the dichotomy of the movie, and I'm probably contradicting myself here, but I think that that nuance helped sell the movie to an adult audience who wasn't looking for a slapstick comedy. Uh, kept them engaged and the serious themes and maybe those people were the ones brushing up against the slapstick elements like I was. Right. It works for different people in different ways but maybe not for everybody all the time. Which, you know, like it had to be kind of totally inconsistent in some ways to achieve that but it did. But these tones were polarized. They were extreme. Right. So I have a mystery to solve. So when he's summing through his book, Yo-Yo Jude, Yaya Jude? Yoo-Hoo Jude. Yoo-Hoo Jude. When he's summing through his book, Yoo-Hoo Jude, he has all of the images that he drew when he was, when he was eating up what Elsa was dishing out about 
about Jewish people, all lives, of course. And then at the end, there were all these lovely drawings of like people flying and riding bikes. And oh, okay. I remember that, and it seems like a child's expression and wondering, and not everything is is, is burn Jews burn and Nazi Nazi Nazi. Um, in his ideals, and however his ideals are shaped, he's still a kid who thinks about hope and love and freedom and whimsy. You know. I and thought I thought maybe it was his mom. Maybe. I'm not sure. All I know is I watched that movie with Kelly and her mom on her mom's baby-ass 40-inch TV or whatever sitting far away on the couch. It was going to be rude for me to lie on the floor, so I didn't get the finer details of the Yo-Yo-Jew, Yoo-Hoo-Jew book. Did you watch it during the day? Nope. Okay, well, at least you watched it at night. Yep. That would have been busted. All right, so what's the verdict? Because of the inconsistencies in Jojo Rabbit, um, because the irreverence was something that I find frustrating, and uh, the tongue-in-cheek humor of Wes Anderson and those types of movies, and to a lesser extent Spike Jones, um, rubs me the wrong way. Uh, I think really talented filmmakers, all of them, including Taika Waititi, um, gets sort of stuck in a trend or a type of movie that's expected and doesn't allow them to grow as filmmakers, takes away from something. So I would, this movie, Jojo Rabbit was all right. It passes muster, but it wasn't one of my favorite movies. Should be watched, but with a grain of salt and maybe not on Thanksgiving. It's all right. There's definitely good things, and I think the good things outweighed the bad things. Got it. All right. It's an all right movie. I think it's, I mean, in my very black and white dichotomy, I think it's a good movie. I think that it, it it was just surprising. In its consistency, it's still totally kept me. So I would recommend it. So thank you for listening. Uh, feel free to reach out to us about whatever at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com or give us a call, 818-835-0473. And thanks for listening. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid.